Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Strong Mind, Strong Body podcast. I'm your host, Angie Miller, and today I have a very special guest who is a friend and also just a wealth of knowledge. Her name is Dr. Amisha Kansapada, and what we are going to talk about is the joy of joints. I love that title. We're going to talk about exercise essentials for those of you who work with clients who have or, or who suffer with arthritis. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been in pain a time or two. And I think that all of us, suffice to say, have worked with a client or two who do struggle with different types of joint pain. And so specifically, we are going to deep dive into arthritis, those types of conditions that affect our clients and impact our training protocol. So I do want to introduce Dr. Amisha Kansapada. How are you, Amisha? Hello there, Angie. Nice to see you. It's good to see you too. So Amisha, tell us a little bit about your background and uh, why I thought you would be the perfect fit because you are for this topic. Uh, well, I'm an internal medicine physician. I live here in Charlotte, North Carolina. I've been in practice for about 25 plus years and arthritis is one of those things that no matter what setting that you're working in as a physician, there are many patients out there who are experiencing pain, discomfort and disability um, from this diagnosis. And it's, I think it's really important to address it. And um, I'm excited to be here today to talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, this, we got on this topic because this is exactly your clientele. This is exactly who you work with. So you have a lot of great experience and I think you're being humble about it, but a lot of great experience in working with these clients. So, you know, the big thing is though, why is arthritis an important topic for personal trainers? It's not a super like um, exciting topic. Everybody's not like, oh yes, let's talk about arthritis, but it's a really, really powerful topic because it does have such a profound impact. Impact. And it does affect our training. And especially as we get older, if you have osteoarthritis, there's such a deep impact on the type of training that you can do. I wish I could run every day, but I can't run every day anymore. We're going to talk about that later. But why is it such an essential topic for trainers? You know, mm -hmm. why should we care about it? Well, you know, one of the statistics that Amisha that you shared with me is that Arthritis affects 23% of adults in the U.S., which is 54 million people. So obviously that has a profound impact on what they do in everyday life, but also in the gym. So what would you add to that, Amisha? Well, I mean, arthritis, like you said, is very, very common and it's probably doesn't get as much press as it should um, because it's not life-threatening in its own sense, but it does pr profoundly affect the day-to-day -day life of clients and patients and things like that across the age spectrum. No matter um, who you are, you can be someone young, old, can be affected by arthritis to varying degrees. It can be very mild, moderate, or very severe. Yeah. And I'm actually glad you brought that up because I feel like that that is a big misnomer that, you know, basically that's a that's a disease that impacts older adults. So we don't need to worry about arthritis till we mm -hmm. get older, but it affects people of all different ages. And you're right. It's not very talked about because it doesn't feel like um, it's not one of those big diseases that's life threatening. And so it doesn't necessarily make a lot of media or a lot of headlines. So I think that I'm glad that you brought those two things up, that it does affect young people. It affects people of all 
ages. And no, it's not life-threatening, but it does make a huge profound impact because pain is a big thing. And when we're in pain, we are not driven to want to exercise. And so we'll, we'll talk about that. But what is, you know, describe arthritis. Like what is the overall definition of arthritis? That's a really good place to start. So arthritis basically is the inflammation of the joint and the joint is made up of different parts. So the first one would be obvious bone. It's usually where two bones come together. Um, it could be a small bone. It could be two large bones in your body. And between those bones are is cartilage and cartilage is basically the cushioning between the two, the two bones that are coming together. And around that, around the, the cartilage and the two bone joints, you have a fibrous tissue called synovium. And within that synovium, it forms a capsule. And oftentimes that uh, capsule is filled with fluid or synovial fluid that the joint is constantly being bathed in. So arthritis is basically an inflammation of any one of those components. And the symptoms usually present uh, with pain, it can be swelling, it can be joint stiffness, a lot of different things. And sometimes you can actually see it. If it's pretty severe, um, you can actually put your hand on that joint and you can feel the bogginess and the synovial fluid and the membranes that are surrounding the joint capsule. You can feel some warmth sometimes from the inflammation. Um, and sometimes it's, it's invisible. You can't tell, but there's definitely um, the experience of pain in your clients or your patients. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great way of describing it. And you're right. Sometimes it is warm to the touch and there's all these different um, implications, but in, and it obviously depends on the severity, right? Mm -hmm. But when we're talking about exercise for clients who do struggle or suffer with arthritis, um, you know, some of it is the same. We all want to benefit. We all want to exercise because we want to feel good inside. We all want to exercise because we want to build our cardio endurance. We want to build strength. We want to build flexibility. And I know that no matter what condition you struggle with, some of those um, exercise, the reasons that we exercise are exactly the same. But what are the differences? You know, what are the real benefits of exercising for those who struggle with arthritis? versus everyday clients? Because I feel like there is a there is a bigger difference with that. There is. And um, like you said, you've already really touched on some of the really big points of why patients exercise. It makes them feel good. It helps them sleep better. Weight control is a big thing and just being fit. Um, but for patients with arthritis, that difference can be even more profound if they're not exercising. It's the difference often between them living independently and not. So it's a difference between whether they can cook for themselves, whether they can bathe for themselves, um, clean their homes, those types of things. Living independently and having function is, is a major uh, focus of that. Um, so for arthritis, for arthritic patients, um, when they exercise, it, it increases the flexibility of that joint, the endurance the strength of that joint and the stability of it. And many, many studies have shown that uh, patients who exercise, who have arthritis, that movement or exercise actually decreases their pain um, on a daily basis and it increases their function. I see patients all the time that come in and you do probably too, Angie, when they come in to, for a workout or something and they'll just say, you know, doc, I just, I don't feel like exercising. They they just avoid it because they're exhausted from the chronic pain that they're experiencing. So they're mentally not in that space. They're physically tired and they're just uncomfortable. Um, so then they get in this vicious cycle. 
they have pain, they have less exercise, less activity, the joint begins to become unstable, they have more pain, they have even less activity, and it's just this vicious cycle of um, deterioration of the joint because of the lack of movement and the range of motion that they're getting. Um, and then as a physician, I guess I would be remiss to say the other benefits of exercise would be for, especially for patients with arthritis, if they're not exercising, it's much more difficult to treat and prevent things like diabetes, heart disease, prevent strokes. And if they do have any complications from these types of illnesses, then it's much more difficult to recover from them if they're deconditioned. Yeah. And you know, it's so true because it always feels like one kind of dysfunction leads to another type of mm -hmm. dysfunction. And, and it's, it's so true that when we're in pain, again, we don't, every vessel of our body does not want to exercise because it's enough to have, you know, exercise adherence and motivation is a whole nother animal. But when you're talking about waking up in pain, you're like, oh my gosh, the last thing I want to do is exercise. And, you know, I think that also we would re be remiss to say that not only is it just trying to get the motivation to do it, but some of it is fear-based. It's like, if I'm already in this much pain and I don't feel very well, what if I go in and I make it worse? And so there's that fine line. And that's, again, why I wanted you to come on here to talk about, well, what are the implications for personal trainers then? What are some safety protocols? Because that's really a good consideration is we don't want to make it worse. But the other thing that you said that really stood out to me is, you know, chronic pain and, and inflammation. And when you stop moving that joint, it exacerbates. And then it gets to the point where it becomes debilitating and you can't do activities of daily life. If your hands are so knotted and the joints are so stiff, how do you do simple things like wash your hair? I don't think that people realize the true implications of that or if the shoulder isn't moving, how do you lift your arm up to get a shirt on? So there's all these different uh, larger implications that makes activities of daily living even more complicated. Mm -hmm. And Angie, we, you know, we are focusing so much on the physical ailments, but we can't forget about the mental illness component of this. If you can imagine a patient who really wants to live independently, who wants to go to the gym or spend some time outside to go for a walk, and they can't do those activities, um, they're so much at higher risk for things like depression and um, you know suicidal ideations in its, in its extreme cases whenever patients lose their, their sense of independence. So we have to, to remember that mental illness is a huge benefit here um, in terms of being able to prevent and control it better. I'm so glad you brought that up because I feel like that's always where I hang my hat and I want to always go there. And so I'm super glad that you brought that up. And then in the medical world, that's something that's really um, considered because pain does have this kind of physiological response where it seems to hijack the brain and the brain gets um, agitated. The brain gets fatigued. The brain gets depressed. You know, all this, this different, you know, we feel like if we can't do the things that we want to do, then what the heck is the purpose? And it starts to get into our psyche and really impact the way that we interact with those that we care about. You know, the people that we're closest to people who, in, who are in chronic pain will often push away people that they care the most about. Um, they're not just really sure how to manage this big animal that they're dealing with. So yeah. Yeah. So we were you were leading me into talking about some of the things to talk about whenever before you start working with a client uh, who has arthritis. So the first place I would say to start would be to have them um, talk about their exercise program or their want to their desire to begin an exercise program with their physician because it's it's so important for patients and clients to understand what are their weak 
parts on their body? What joints are more vulnerable because of the arthritis or the previous injuries that they've had? Um, what are some things that they should avoid doing? And these are things that they can then tell their personal trainers. And as a personal trainer decide, uh, moves forward in designing an exercise plan for this particular client, they can tailor it and be much more successful in um, having that client achieve their goals. So number one, I would say start with your physician. Um, and, and really all of this that we're talking about today is, is general knowledge, it's general advice. It just never, it never takes the place of the advice of your personal physician. So I think that's a good place to start. Um, and then relaying that information to the personal trainer so that they can design an appropriate exercise plan. Yeah, absolutely. So let's do that. Let's kind of talk about, let's deep dive into some of those considerations. Let's talk about things like a cool down, strength training. Let's mm -hmm. start with um, just preparing for exercise. You know, obviously, like you said, aligning ourselves, collaborating with physicians. Maybe they're working with physical therapists, collaborating with those people, really understanding what joints are compromised, where the pain is, and what they are, what they have been cleared to do. So that's before you even start. Mm -hmm. And and that's an important consideration. But um, so what are the other things that you would say? Let's kind of go through that workout, starting with a warm-up, moving into what type of strength training? Tell us about some of those specific considerations. Sure. I will do my best from a medical perspective, but um, yeah. So um, I work in a physical rehab, so uh, physical medicine and rehab center. And so these are patients who I see every day who have had a stroke, who've been in the hospital for some type of medical Ill illness. It could be a trauma, um, uh, bad infection, you know, these cases in this past year, COVID. But um, these patients are coming in and they haven't moved their joints in a long time. And one of the first things that they do when they come um, to our rehab center is they get their first hot shower, maybe not their first, but a shower, a really hot shower by the occupational therapist. And that, when you see a patient before and after that hot shower, it's like night and day because they have finally warmed up their joints. Um, their muscles are warm. They've started moving things. They're moving a little bit easier, not as stiff or jerky. Um, so I think a warm-up, a longer warm-up for patients with arthritis is so important because their joints are stiff. And even if they can't do a traditional warm-up that you would typically think of like something cardiovascular, getting on elliptical or something like that. Range of motion exercises can be critical, critical to um, really getting their joints warmed up and ready for some more intense exercise down the road. So in conjunction with that, the cool down is also extremely important. Um, those stretching exercises, and if, the, and if there's any particular joints that are, are particularly swollen or just don't feel right or may have been tweaked in a way that didn't feel good to them during the during the workout, um, definitely icing that and cooling it down and doing some anti-inflammatory type maneuvers is, is a good idea too. So a good warm up and a good warm down. Okay. So basically, you know, just really keeping in mind that when you're working with clients who have arthritis, um, the warmer you can get those joints, those, those large range of motion activities, um, not just to get the blood pumping and get the muscles ready, but just really get those joints more supple and get things moving along. By the way, I just want to reintroduce you. I'm speaking with Dr. Amisha Kansapata, and we are talking about the joy of joints. We're talking about exercise protocols for those of us who work with clients with arthritis and being that arthritis 
arthritis affects so many different people of all ages, we thought that this was a really, really good topic. So Amisha, we talked about a longer warm-up. We talked about a longer cool-down. In terms of working with clients who have arthritic conditions, and we're talking about strength training, let's say, what would be some things from a medical point of view that you would want us to know? Right. So um, as you know, what every client has, you have a different goal for them. It could be flexibility. It could be strength. It could be endurance. It could be a lot of different things. But for strength training in particular for patients with arthritis, it's, I think the, the key thing to know there is that uh, if you've got an effective affected joint, the best thing you can do for that joint is strengthen the muscles around that joint. The more you can do that, the more you're going to take the, the pressure off that joint, the weight off that joint, and really support it and provide it some good stability is what you want for the, the preservation of that joint. Now, I'll just give you a quick example. So I probably... I mean, knees are pretty common in terms of um, arthritis, but low back pain is probably right up there with it. So if you've got a client that's got back pain, so it's probably because they have degenerative joint disease of the lumbar spine, which is the part of your spine, the lower part of your spine that bears most of the weight and carries most of the weight of your back. And um, they could have, uh, over time, patients get osteoarthritis, um, they've lost some bone height in the vertebrae, they've lost cartilage, maybe they've developed some bone spurs that um, are now creating some pain. Um, so the best thing you can do for them um, after a good warm up, you want to definitely have some range of motion, make sure that they can have um, full flexibility of their back. Um, you want to really strengthen the erector spinae muscles and then those core muscles. And if you can just imagine like those two, you know, front and back uh muscles that are supporting the spine, if you support those, those are going to take off a lot of pressure off that lower back. So in terms of um, patients with arthritis, support the muscles around that joint that's affected to st stabilize uh, that joint. You know, starting with lower reps is also really good, lighter, lighter weights with lower reps. And then particularly for patients who have rheumatoid arthritis, which we'll talk about later. It affects the wrists. Patients will have a lot of joint uh, stiffness and pain in their wrists. You want to make sure that their wrists are aligned. So when they're on the bike, I guess you want to make sure they're not holding the weight like this or holding the bike handle like that. You want to make sure that it's aligned. Patients who have carpal tunnel syndrome, you definitely want to support that wrist as well. So just, you know, proper, um, technique when it's when you're weight training, um, just making sure that everything's aligned, lighter weights and more reps. Those are just some just some fundamental things I would want to keep in mind. Well, and you know what I love about it is just when I listen to it from a medical perspective, you are speaking the speak of us here at National Academy of Sports Medicine. Through our CBT certification, through our corrective exercise certification, you're speaking exactly how we train trainers to work with clients anyway. And so I think what you're really saying is just pay special attention to those who have maybe some more compromised conditions and really keep in mind that core strength and stability is such an integral part of any training, especially for those who do struggle. And then I would say some lighter, some more minimal things that you and I talked about, just, you know, the um, light 
weights, uh, more repetitions, also not such a tight grip, right? Because they're not going to be able to get that tight grip. And then the wrist stability, which is a huge one that we teach is, you know, don't have the wrist out of alignment, wrists are a joint. So I love that you're talking about all these different things that we talk to trainers about anyway. And from a medical perspective, it all lines up, right? Mm -hmm. The science is the science. You can't mess with that. <laughs> yeah, this is so true. So um, you also mentioned some extra precautions when we spoke and things like, you know, proper footwear, that's critical. And, mm -hmm. and uh, are there any other just things that you want to kind of touch on before we move forward? Sure. Um, yeah, I would say when you're working for endurance, um, when if, if one of the goals is endurance uh, for a patient with arthritis, this can be particularly challenging because like you said earlier, you they can't go out for a jog. That's probably not going to be the best exercise for them. Um, but um, as, as your field is very well aware, swimming is an amazing exercise for patients with arthritis. Um, that buoyancy of the water that helps support the joints, takes the weight off the joints. Um, biking is amazing, and they'll be able to get a much uh, more higher level of cardiovascular exercise than they would if they were doing something that's a little bit more high impact. So low impact, things that are just not going to be so jarring on the joints is really important. And in terms of the intensity, what I'd like to advise my patients is by saying, you know, sometimes moderate exercise is better than more strenuous. So by moderate, I always say, you know, be able to have a conversation with a friend or, um, as long as you are um, short of breath to the point where you can still have a conversation, you're probably pushing yourself to a, an acceptable level where you're still be able to get some cardiovascular uh, benefits. Um, and maybe you might have to exercise a little bit longer time to, you know, to burn if burning calories is your weight goal, uh, is your goal for that particular workout. You may need to do it for a little bit longer time, but you don't necessarily have to, you know, completely exhaust yourself. Right. And, you know, it's interesting because I teach a whole uh, workshop on exercise, motivation and adherence. And a lot of the research supports that when you work on at a moderate intensity, adherence is better anyway. So, you know, it, it comes down to not just the science, but I always say kind of common sense. People always say, well, I want to burn the most calories the most efficiently. But a lot of times the way that you would do that um, is a way that's going to compromise integrity of movement, range of motion, form. Um, all those things are going to go uh out the window and then you're going to end up getting injured and not be able to do those things anyway. So wouldn't you rather be able to do something that is sustainable, do something that doesn't make you dread it because you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to end up in even more pain. So wouldn't it make sense then that we don't push them? There's that old slogan. I can't remember the company that was like, no pain, no gain. Ha -ha. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we really want to throw that out the window for all clients, but especially for those clients who suffer with arthritis, because guess what? Um, um, I would venture to say that pain, you know, <laughs> that pain is speaking to us. It's sending us a message and we should probably take note of it. And we should probably um, acknowledge it and respect it that our body is actually doing what it's supposed to do, which is sending us messages that we need to hear. Mm -hmm. Respect the pain. That is um, one of the, the key points that I wanted to make. You've got to respect the, came, uh, the, um, the pain and there is no shame in the game in admitting that you're having pain. So I think one of the things that personal trainers uh, really need to be in tune to is the amount of pain that your client might be in when they're exercising. We usually scale pain and um, 
one to 10. So if clients come in saying, oh my gosh, I've got pain in my chest or in my belly, or in this case, a joint, I would say, okay, well, on a scale of one to 10, how bad is it? So 10 would be the worst pain you ever had. If you're having a baby, if you've ever had one or had a kidney stone or something like that. If, if you're having 10 out of 10 pain during a workout, something has gone terribly wrong. Um, so you probably want to shoot for, you know, maybe a five and under, maybe a four and under, um, but, you know, really keeping tabs on that pain um, to prevent injury um, is really important. And this is a little counterintuitive, but um, it's a little bit different for our rehab patients because most of them are experiencing post-operative pain. So you do have to give some pain medications. For a patient that, though, that's not post-operative, who just has chronic, who has not just, but has chronic daily arthritis, um, maybe not have them take their pain medicines before they come to work out because you don't want to mask it. You want to know if they're having the pain so you can back off or tell them just to take just enough to take the edge off. So maybe just some Tylenol, but maybe not take the, you know, the Celebrex or the two ibuprofen or some Motrin or whatever it is that they take for pain. I'm um, really so glad you brought that up because I feel like that's a big one that people are under this thing where it's like, I'm going to pop a bunch of Advil and then I'm going to run to the gym. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, doing that is just like you said, going to mask the pain and then we're not going to really be in tune with what's going on in our body. And then it's when that pain medicine wears off or when the Advil wears off, where we really recognize the damage that we did and it's too late. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, um, but, and I think we just have to also focus a little bit on safety. You know, if we just spent a little bit of time with our clients talking about safety when they exercise, it's going, it pays off dividends down the road. So we talked a little bit about, you know, respecting the pain, but also um, we want to make sure posture and alignment is intact. We want to make sure we have proper footwear and arch support. We want to have support for those joints that are a little bit weaker, maybe unstable. So things like the wrists or knees and um, like you said, arch support or maybe a knee brace, uh, making sure that if you are walking for a warm up, like it's on a flat surface. Um, those, those little things can be the difference between a fall and breaking a bone and being able to continue to exercise. Right. Okay. Well, I'm glad that you brought that up. So I want to reintroduce you. I'm talking to Dr. Amisha Kansapata, and we are talking about the joy of joints, just basically safety um, and effectiveness protocols for personal trainers working with those who suffer from arthritis. And I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm at a certain age and a stage in my life where I feel like it's not a matter of if I'm in pain, it's where I'm going to suffer the pain. So my low back, my knees, you know, so there's things that I can't do now that I used to be able to do, and I can't do them to the degree that I used to do them and to the intensity that I used to do them. And so I think this is a really pivotal topic for trainers um, to really take note of our clients and what they're struggling with, okay, not to push them past their limits. So Amisha, let's move on. Let's talk about, we hear about different types of arthritis. And so we've talked about what arthritis is. We've talked about some special considerations when training, but what about the different types? Because I feel like the things that we hear about is, um, osteoarthritis, because we hear about the Celebrex and, you know, the TV commercials and that type of thing. And uh, we hear about rheumatoid arthritis, but there's other types of arthritis out there. And mm -hmm. can you just kind of give us a, um, a window into that world a little bit and skim the surface? Because I know we don't have all day long to talk about it, but give us a window. Yeah, sure. So um, with arthritis, um, it's actually very simple to think about in two categories, uh, the inflammatory, 
arthritis, and then there's non-inflammatory arthritis. So non-inflammatory arthritis is what we know most commonly as osteoarthritis, and we'll talk about that um, second. But the first arthritis that I want to, uh, the first category that I want to talk about is uh, inflammatory arthritis. And inflammatory arthritis um, includes things like rheumatoid arthritis um, and other autoimmune disorders like ankylosing spondylitis and maybe lupus you've heard of. Those are all fall in the category of inflammatory arthritis that are autoimmune. And autoimmune basically means that your body has had a trigger of some sort, whether it's genetic or environmental or viral or whatever it is, that has now allowed it to form antibodies to its to your own tissue. And in arthritis, in an inflammatory arthritis, that case happened, that tissue happens to be your joint, any um, tissues of your joint that we talked about earlier. So those are the inflammatory arthritis. Gout is also considered an inflammatory arthritis. And uh, finally, you have infectious arthritis. You can actually get red hot swollen uh, joints from an actual bacterial infection in your joints. So those are the big the main um, types of inflammatory arthritis, and they're treated very differently, and the cause is very different than the non-inflammatory or the osteoarthritis. Um, typically, the patients who have rheumatoid arthritis or other autoimmune diseases, um, they can be they can typically present younger. They can across the spectrum of life they can occur. They usually are characterized by increased pain at rest. Typically, you think of arthritis that increases, has increased pain with activity, but with inflammatory arthritis, it can occur at rest. And you can have flares. So you may see a patient who has an inflammatory type arthritis, like rheumatoid, who does great one day and is able to do, you know, 10 out of 10 of the exercises that you've given them. On another day, they may be having a flare and you can actually see the, the flares in their joints and maybe they'll be only be able, be able to do only half of those exercises. Um, Another thing for rheumatoid arthritis I just want to mention also is that um, morning stiffness is sort of the, the hallmark of rheumatoid arthritis. So that's maybe not the best time for them to exercise. And if you are working with a rheumatic patient um, early in the morning, you may want to really do that extra warm up of their joints like we talked about earlier. So okay. those are just some things. Yeah, some other things about rheumatoid I think that I really think it's important for um, especially a yoga instructor to know is that um, one of the, the joints that's affected is, is in the cervical spine. Um, and that joint can get between C1 and C2, can get very inflamed. And um, you want to be really careful with rheuma rheumatoid um, patients with rheumatoid arthritis to not put a lot of undue range of motion in the, in the cervical spine and probably want to avoid the headstands um, for those patients as well. Because um, if, if that particular joint is inflamed, you can actually have a fracture of the vertebrae, uh, something you definitely want to avoid. Okay. You know, I'm glad you brought that up. And it's interesting because Amisha didn't tell you this, but she's actually going through yoga training for her own personal benefit. And so I love that when the medical world aligns with the fitness world and Amisha, you've always been such a fitness minded person. And so I think that that's a great thing to bring up. So one of the differentiating factors is just defining between inflammatory and non-inflammatory arthritis and thinking about things like lupus and gout. And, and I'm not even sure that people even align that with arthritic conditions, but those autoimmune, um, 
diseases that people are struggling with. And like you said, it can impact people at a very young age. And so again, arthritis is not just for those who, who have beat up their body and suffer from osteoarthritis. And it's not just a disease that impacts older adults. So let's, um, let's kind of move into osteoarthritis because I feel like that that is a really big one mm -hmm. that, that people mm -hmm. know about or move into the non-inflammatory arthritic conditions. Sure. Yeah. So with osteoarthritis, um, you've already touched on it. Prevention is key because um, osteoarthritis is basically caused by loss of cartilage between the, the, the bone joints. And um, that can be caused by overuse, repetitive movements, even previous trauma. So if you've had a, a patient or a client with a motor vehicle accident and they banged up their knee in particular, um, or had a meniscal tear, or had an ACL injury when they were younger from some previous trauma, chances are they're going to have a little bit of a touch of osteoarthritis, and that'll be their bum knee or their bum joint, whichever one it is, um, you know, 10, 15 years down the road. So that joint then becomes more susceptible to getting arthritis in it if you've had an injury in it or if you're overusing it in some way. The most common joints, though, that you get osteoarthritis in um, are going to be your weight-bearing joints. Um, so, you know, runners, it's going to be their knees and their hips. Um, um, I guess the only uh, kind of exception for osteoarthritis would be um, for patients who have it in their hands. So you don't think of uh, your fingers being a place to get osteoarthritis, but you do. So if you see an older older patients, you'll see these nodules on their um, their finger joints. Those are um, osteo. Uh, those are nodes from um, osteoarthritis and they can also cause significant pain and affect their ability to be able to really grasp some of the, uh, the equipment uh, during the workout. So typically with osteoarthritis, you'll see um, pain that worsens with movement and activity and it improves with rest. Um, and the symptoms are usually confined to just the joint. Um, I didn't mention this earlier, but um, when you were talking about autoimmune arthritis, um, those patients will have symptoms beyond their joints. Uh, but osteoarthritis is typically um, localized to, to the joint alone. Um, and then the exercises that you do are really aimed at maintaining the cartilage between the joint and improving the bone, uh, the stability of that joint by strengthening the muscles again around that particular joint. Um, the studies have shown definitively that, um, you know, exercise in patients with osteoarthritis definitely decreases their level of pain in the long run and preserves the function. And so I think that's a really important point because again, Patients who are in pain don't want to exercise, but in the long run, if they do, they will be able to retain more of the function of that joint, um, the flexibility, less stiffness, and also experience less pain. Yeah. And I think it's it's interesting that you bring that up because I have two meniscal tears in my left knee, neither of which I've repaired. And now I have, you know, uh, stage three osteoarthritis in that left knee because, of course, you know, what 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 do you expect? But one of the things that I think is critical, like you said, is is, you know, that that. The, the really high impact activities are probably not going to be your friend when you have low back pain, when you have knee pain and hip pain. Those high intensity or high impact activities are just not going to be your friend anymore. Things like doing super, super deep squats 
probably not going to be your friend anymore. What other exercises or types of exercise would you go so far as to say, probably not your friend if you have hip, knee pain? Running. Running and running for the Stop. top three. <laughs> what? Uh, no. um, but I mean, I think yoga is great. Um, I love yoga. Um, I think it's one of the best exercises you can do um, because it works on, you know, the core, flexibility, balance, all those things that help prevent things. And you can even get a lot of cardiovascular there too if you're holding those positions for a long time. Um, but I think also for because you can't do the 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 high impact type things, and some of your patients, particularly if they're elderly, may not be able to even do the moderate intensity cardiovascular, but range of motion is is something that can still really benefit uh, that joint. It'll help it lubricate um, with the synovial fluid that's around the joint. It'll help prevent it from getting calcified and kind of getting a frozen stiff joint. Um, so range of motion, let, you, can't, you can't underestimate the value of range of motion in these joints. Right. And, you know, even when I work with my seniors, I always tell them, you know, it's okay if you can only sit on a bar stool. I'm not asking you to get down on a little squatty potty like for little kids. So mm -hmm. it's about mm -hmm. what makes sense functionally, right? I call it the bar stool. Maybe you can't mm -hmm. squat as much and you don't need to. You just need to be able to get in and out of bed and in and out of a chair without having to use your hands to brace you before you sit down. But, um, you know, to avoid having to do all the steroid injections and all the other things that really just, again, mitigates and kind of masks pain, but doesn't really solve the problem. It's like putting a Band-Aid on an open wound or taking mm -hmm. the Advil to pretend like it doesn't exist. But really, there's just consideration for what's going to work for my body now. And maybe it means that I cannot do what I used to do, or I cannot do it to the degree that I used to do it or the intensity that I used to do it. Um, and I think that suffice to say, and maybe it's like this way in the medical profession, but I think as trainers, sometimes we're guilty of doing things to our own body that we wouldn't do to a client's body. I've been known to eat a slice of chocolate cake for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Not something so, I would recommend. But. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So, you know, are there any final words that you just want to say about working with clients with arthritis, whether it is inflammatory, non-inflammatory, anything that uh, we talked about that I might have missed or any last thoughts or final takeaways? Well, yeah, I think there is one category of patients that um, your, your trainers are probably seeing more and more of. Um, and that is uh, the patient who has had a joint replacement. Um, typically, it's the hip, knees, and sometimes shoulders as well. Uh, these are patients who have had end-stage um, arthritic conditions, um, usually of osteoarthritis, but it can be other types as well, um, that have failed all conservative management. So they failed um, to control their pain through physical uh, therapy, through pain medications, through steroid injections. They've been through the rigmarole for years and years and years. And now they're like, I just can't even get out of bed anymore. Um, and I'm ready for that joint replacement. So they go ahead and get it. And then the question becomes, what can I do afterwards? And what, what level of Activity can I return to safely? And, you know, back in the day um, when I was practicing 10 years ago, we would see these patients postoperatively. Sometimes the recovery would be a month. Um, and we would tell patients, you know, just 
lay in bed, don't do anything, um, kind of do simple range of motion and um, just go very slower. Now the recovery is so much faster, partly because our te the technique of the surgery has improved, but also um, the um, the practice now is to start day one post-operatively to really start doing range of motion of that joint. Nothing extreme. You should really shouldn't bend that replaced joint more than 60 to 90 degrees for those first few weeks. Um, but definitely doing the ankle palms, getting the range of motion in. Um, the earlier you start the therapy, the quicker the recovery will be. So early um, passive range of motion is really important. And then... Um, you know, patients will always ask me, so when can I go back to skiing or can I go back and play tennis? And I, like, I'll just say jokingly something like, yeah, you'll be roller skating down these halls in no time, but that's not really true. But um, what I think is important for your, for your audience to know is that once a patient has had a joint that's replaced, and it, of course it depends, it's very individual, it depends on each person, um, but the more use you put uh, on that joint, the more likely you may need a revision uh, um, down the road uh, because it's going to be, again, it's use related. So if you want to ski, probably the gentler uh, slopes are going to be better for you. Um, not those black diamonds or the back bowls of veil or anything. Um, you want to uh, really be careful with um, tennis because there's a lot of lateral movement there. Um, doubles tennis is maybe a better idea than singles. Um, so swim, you know, work definitely working in some aquatic exercises is going to be a good idea as well. So there may not to say that you can't go back to your activities, but definitely with some modifications and being aware that um, again, the wear and tear on that artificial joint that's now in your body is dependent upon how much you stress it. Yeah, I think that's really good to know because you're right, there are more and more um, replacement surgeries and it is, I think that we do see more and more of it. And um, some of that is just because they're not so invasive as they used to be. The recovery isn't so long. Um, and again, we do encourage, you know, from what I understand, you do encourage client or patients to go and get some range of motion activity right away, but not to jump back in too quick, too soon. I think that moderation is always key. And I think that for all of us, um, it just pays to keep in mind that um, we don't have to use age as an excuse or we don't have to use injury as an excuse, but we just, it does pay to give it some uh, respect and to recognize that there are other ways to exercise. There are lots of different ways to get fit. Just there's lots of different ways to keep your mind fit. There's lots of different ways to keep your emotions healthy. And sometimes people get stuck in these rigid thought patterns. And I always say rigidity is not your friend, okay? Not in our thinking processes and not when we are in the gym. Flexibility is our friend. So flexibility of thought, flexibility of keeping in mind that there's lots of different ways to exercise. So uh, Dr. Misha Kansapata, I can't thank you enough for talking to us about the joy of joints, introducing the, um, the impact of arthritis on the clients that we see and just doing a quick little deep dive into it. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Angie. It was a lot of fun. All right. And so those of you who have tuned in, I hope that, you know, if you don't see the live stream, you can also catch uh, in on Spotify. You can catch it on Apple Podcasts. There's lots of different ways to do to tune into this. I hope that you hit like. I hope you subscribe. By all means, I'm going to shamelessly tell you to rate the podcast and uh, just keep doing what you love and loving what you do. And we will see you next time. Mm -hmm.